Welcome to Life Turned On, where we share and celebrate the stories of sexual self-discovery in midlife and beyond. Society tells us women's sexuality ends once she reaches a certain age, her body changes, or even when she reaches certain milestones such as motherhood or menopause. They want to turn us off, but we are committed to living life turned on, full of pleasure, deep joy, and an authentic expression of self. Listen in as we share stories of women who are ditching old scripts to pursue their own path to pleasure in their lives and their sexuality. I'm your host, Shauna Stewart, and I want you to get ready for honest conversations, practical advice, and inspiration along the way, because here at Life Turned On, we believe that pleasure is our birthright and the time to claim it is now. Hi friends, welcome to Life Turned On, stories of sexual self-discovery in midlife and beyond. So happy to have you here today. One of the biggest barriers to women experience sexual pleasure is body image and self-esteem. And so many things can impact this in a woman's lifetime. Our culture promotes so many messages that a woman's value has everything to do with her looks and it's nearly impossible to escape this pressure. Now, when I'm talking about this, it's important to remember that body image and self-esteem as it relates to sexual pleasure is very much an internal experience. It's not what our bodies actually look like that impact our pleasure. It's how we feel about our bodies that impact our pleasure. So I met today's guest, Daniel Meyer, when I reached out for empowerment shots at a Valentine's Day event at Linger Boutique. And she is such a bright spirit and she has a beautiful story about a health journey that led her to more curiosity around her sexuality and womanhood. Danielle Meyer is your friendly, fast-walking and fast-talking redhead mama of two little kids married to her high school sweetheart of 20 years, living life daily with constant interruptions, unrealistic to-do lists, art inspiration, and new curiosities at every whim, and is definitely always thinking about what to eat next. Danielle values people, relationships, and connections so much, which is why she loves being a pediatric speech therapist and photographer. She loves her people hard, is always down for spontaneous fun, and will never say no to a chocolate chip cookie, which is why we're friends. (laughs) Welcome, and thank you so much for being here, Danielle. Is there anything else you want to add about yourself? Hi. No, um... I, I don't because writing that bio was hard and uh, I don't know what to say or what not to say. How do you fit everything about yourself into one little paragraph? So I think we're good. I want all, all to know that if they want to get on my good side, they can buy me any chocolate chip cookie, but preferably with sea salt. That's that's yes. the extra there. So yep. yes. <laughs> yep. That definitely sets the cookies apart for sure. So yes, you them. and I first bonded kind of over our health journeys. You and I had very different health journeys, but health journeys that kind of had an impact that led us both to asking more questions and discovering more about ourselves. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey? Yeah. In a nutshell, what got me into the space as far as like owning up to what I was mentally I guess going through to where I am now started with a double prophylactic mastectomy. That meant that I was having a double mastectomy without cancer. How it started was that my mom uh, was completing radiation and chemotherapy. And at the time, uh, her genetic counselor asked to have her tested after the fact. 
to see if she had any genetic mutations uh, because she had a super strong family history and all that. And so she went in, she was positive and they said, okay, we'll test your girls, uh, my sister and I, and then uh, my aunts. And so it turned out that I was positive, but my sister wasn't and the rest of the family wasn't minus my uh, aunt Tracy. So here we are like, okay, we have kind of a choice to make now. And seeing my mom go through chemo and radiation, um, it was absolutely just beyond challenging. It was very hard to see her go through that. And I had my first son at the time who was 10 months old. I just knew that I wanted to take action. So I decided before even going to my appointment that if she told me I was positive, that I was going to have a prophylactic double mastectomy if that was, if it was possible with my insurance and all that. Um, and so she said, yes, you're positive. And I knew right away, okay, I'll have this done after I'm done having children and breastfeeding. Once I, I knew that I was positive for that, I, and I was done breastfeeding my second child, I scheduled my double mastectomy. It wasn't a hard decision. I think a lot of people ask me, oh yeah, you know, like, how did you come to that? And I just knew that I didn't want to have to wait to be told when I had cancer. Um, I also had some other questionable um, cysts and biopsies. And so for me at the time, it was like, okay, well, now that you have a genetic mutation, you're going to have to have an MRI every six months and then an ultrasound every six months. And you're wow. paying out of pocket for all these things. And it's just like, you know, you feel a little lump. Well, what is this? Is it a crazy lymph node or is this cancer? You know, and I, you know, I'm a mom. I want to be around for my kids. So, and my husband and I, and so I decided, yeah, I'm gonna have this done. Wow. Um, so it was, it was kind of like a whirlwind at first. And this was right before, oh no, it was right, right in the beginning of COVID. So I also didn't know how that was going to play a role, but fortunately I was able to have it, the, the mastectomy done in June of uh, 2021. And then I guess the biggest challenge with that though, was just the, the surgery part of it. I had never been under a deep sedation before I had like general anesthesia, but this was a lot different. And then the surgery itself is five to six hours. And you're like, asking yourself, okay, once this is done, am I going to have reconstruction? What do I want to look like after I come out of this? And, you know, now, now we'll, well, now we'll tread back into the beginning of Danielle and all my, so my insecurities and all that. So yes, I was insecure. Um, and I'm not to say, not to say I'm not even insecure now about things. I think we all have our insecurities, but now given to where I'm at now versus then we're at completely different states of mind. Yeah. Um, but at the time, you know, I will be honest and say that I definitely was looking forward to having some kind of reconstruction. I just kept going back to, you know, if I don't like this and I don't, I don't want to keep them, I can just have them taken out, you know, like it was no big deal. And honestly, it is a big deal. <laughs> There's a lot that goes there's a lot that goes into a surgery. Talked a little bit about like some insecurities and then you also mentioned reconstruction. Can you just talk a little bit about your thought process there and what you decided to do and how maybe that impacted how you feel about yourself? Yeah, I think that for me, I kept looking at it as like, okay, if I have reconstruction now, I'm young. If I don't like it, I can have it taken out later. Like I said, I didn't think about all the energy and effort and time and money mm -hmm. that goes into these surgeries. I just like, wow, my insecurity will be gone with because I'll have a chest. Growing up, I definitely allowed our society to play a part in how I, I thought I should felt, should felt, oh my God, how I thought I should feel. Uh -huh. <laughs> it was, uh, it was, it's just being vulnerable here. Yes. I, um, I definitely thought that our culture reaffirmed like bigger was better. It was more beautiful. It was feminine. It's desired. And I was the opposite of that. And then all through like college and high school, it was just, 
it was something I felt ashamed about. You know, I was just small chested. I, I could have been like the president of the itty bitty titty committee, you know, uh-huh. that's, <laughs> um, that's where I'm at. So <laughs> yeah, I, no, no, I don't know. I, I was, yeah, I really do think I could have been president, but I definitely thought, okay, reconstruction will heal all these, this mumbo jumbo in my head. Um, and then when I was breastfeeding, actually, you know, I got a taste of what it was like to have something there. And so when I thought, oh, reconstruction, uh, yeah, I can be, you know, I can have a very low chance of breast cancer and have an ideal chest. Like, yes, please. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but, you know, as we all know, or as we're all learning, at least, I hope that perfection is not real and it doesn't exist. And there's always something with some, you know, there's always something negative there to deal with. I didn't go beyond the thought like, if I don't like the end result or I have health issues related to the implants, I can just have them taken out. I just went with that. I kind of just like, I was, I think I was a little OCD about like, okay, what is this going to look like in the end? You know, and I looked at the the risks and I talked about all these things with my surgeon and she definitely reminded me over and over again, like, hello, Danielle, you're not going to have breast tissue. So these before and after photos that you keep showing me, these are not realistic. Mm. But it's so hard. It's so hard when you're like, okay, I'm not going to have breast tissue. You're going to put these implants in. So what will they look like? And the internet does not supply, you know, obviously your body type fitted with the implant that you're going to go with. You're not going to know what the end result's necessarily going to be. Yeah. So I'd scour the internet. Like I was looking for like a before and after, you know, hairstyle, a photo to show my hairstylist. And she was just like, you know, you know, you got to stop that. That was hard. Yeah. So what was the end result for you? Were you happy with the way they look? I initially was happy with it uh, because, so one of the things that happens with reconstruction is that you can have something called fat transfers or liposuction and they literally suck out the fat, put it in a little vial, and then they kind of like weave it in above your implants in the chest, you know, skin above your implants to make it look like a natural slope. So after I got off surgery, I was excited because one, it, I was swollen. So it looked natural. I didn't see the outline of the implant. I didn't see the rippling. And the idea is that the fat transfers will be there for, I don't know, five to 10 years is what I was told. And that's that's really not how it is for me whatsoever. Um, I think within six months of having my exchange surgery, um, I'd even talk to you about the the expanders that they put in after surgery, you get these giant expanders. They feel kind of like a, or they look like a deflated volleyball. That's kind of like folded in half. And so they're, they're stuck in there and it feels so tight. And over the next six months, you're going to have saline put into those expanders to help grow the chest cavity and then also stretch your skin. So they were wonky. They were completely asymmetrical. I mean, they looked like someone shoved a deflated volleyball under there. And so for me, you know, trying to visualize what's going to be in the end, I was like, whoa, what kind of decision did I just make here? So I decided to stick it out through the implants. And then I had the implants put in the exchange surgery and then the fat transfers. And within three months, my right implant had dropped like three, two and a half inches, something like that, Hmm. which is called implant displacement. I didn't know about this until after the fact, 50% of mastectomies, whether I don't know whether it's with prophylactic or mastectomies in general, you can have implant displacement. And so I was really like bummed about this because here I am like, okay, am I going to have like that much of a difference? Am I going to live with this? And I decided, no, my surgeon said, yes, we can, you know, try to fix this again. So I went in for my third surgery, which was April of last year and uh, did the fat transfers again. And Guess what? I'm a little lopsided again, fell a bit. No trans, no fat transfers have stayed. So it just, you know, they're there and they're, they are what they are. And 
I'm at the point I, I have become or have tried, I have traveled the journey to be where I am at now, which is I did this all to be a healthier person, to live here longer, be here for my kids. And through this entire journey, it has really made me take a step back and say, okay, Danielle, is your self-worth and your self-esteem in what you look like? No, it is not. And it can't be. Our bodies are constantly changing. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Uh-huh. You don't know if you're going to get a car accident. You know if you're going to be able to walk or, you know, speak or whatever the case may be. Like, why am I living this life of these unrealistic ideals? This is this was a gift to me. Like, let's just be happy and thankful in that. And I am. I just got really stuck in my insecurities at the time. Like, mm-hmm. ooh, what's this going to be like in the end? It's been an emotional, you know, a physical and a spiritual journey that I have grown a lot out of, which I am thankful. How have you felt like this journey has impacted your sexuality and even like maybe like your womanhood? Because you said earlier that like society has a lot of thoughts and opinions about what body should look like and i think that we as women too like the breasts are a very like feminine part of our body and oh yeah to get to that you have to know the beginning uh i guess is that my relationship with my husband was um, it was never that fun intimately i'd say because i didn't bring the fun factor <laughs> i mm-hmm. was very sure i i mean geez louise poor guy i mean i wouldn't even let him see me naked most of the time because I had this like stupid shame that I wow. wrapped around like my womanhood, you know, like I wasn't sexy or womanly enough or sexual enough because I didn't have a chest. So stupid. I know. It's not um, stupid, but it's so it is because it's like, look at all the time that I wasted. We've been together for 20 years. We've been dating since we were 17. And, you know, it's, I mean, I'd say like up until, I don't know, three, four years ago, we're, we're completely in a different space now, which is amazing, but it, it took a surgery, I guess, to get there or three surgeries, I guess, you know, and I was never really present emotionally uh, because I was always, always like stuck in my head, like that I just wasn't enough. And so it impacted our intimate, our intimacy. Right. Uh-huh. And then also, I think like just being critical of myself and unrealistic played a part too, but you know, that's geez Louise that goes into all areas of life. I, I think that the thing is, is like, even though this is my mastectomy journey to the reconstruction to where I am now, it all plays a part emotionally, physically, and spiritually. And you can't just yeah. take take this and put it in a nice box. What I hear you saying is that every part of our lives is connected to every other part. And as a result of this experience, we're able to see those different connections and how different thought processes or beliefs about yourself or showing up in a variety of areas of life and really having a significant impact, right? Oh, totally. Yeah. When you're not accepting of your husband's compliments and you're not open to like the intimacy that he's trying to invite you into, mm-hmm. it directly affects your relationship that way. Um, I mean, there's like so many things that your self-esteem and self-confidence really directly impact. And that's, I mean, it's sad. Yeah, Um, it it creates a barrier to connection when we're criticizing ourselves. Like we think we're the only ones impacted by it when we're beating ourselves up for whatever reason, but it's really, it drives like a little wedge in between us and the people that we love the most. I 100% hear you on that. It's actually been a big, I think like a big theme in a lot of these conversations is just in 
learning to embrace our sexuality as women in our midlife or beyond. It's also having to like believe our partners if we're with partners. And oh. that's so hard. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, just to be honest here, I did read like the outline of this podcast uh -huh. right with my husband before we, before I started answering and thinking about these questions. And I, I read your little blurb about that, about like, you know, your husband would tell you things. You'd be like, nope, you just want something from me. And uh -huh. I was a hundred percent the same way. Like, well, you trying to make a pass? Absolutely no. <laughs> yeah. And he's just giving me a sweet compliment. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't, I can't say I know exactly when that started or, you know, why, but it really put a damper on things. And he laughed though, when I was reading this out loud to him, he's like, Hmm, this sounds familiar. <laughs> I wonder how many women in their, in their marriages also can say, Oh, that's me. Who's raising your hand right now. <laughs> yeah. Gives you a compliment. Are you like turning away? Do you not believe him? Do you not like, you know, allow yourself to be invited into that? We all feel loved in different ways. And my husband, you know, he's a, he's a physical touch guy and a hug even alone is, you know, physical touch. And when you're being touched and you feel like it's, you know, you think it's leading to something you're, you're just, you're stealing him of a possible moment of connection. Yeah. Well, so and, and yourself and, yeah, and you're both Cause that's a similar, I think I definitely was the same way for so long where booty smack or a hug or some kind of nice touch. And I was like, oh, you're just trying to get in my pants. And then like, I think that once I started figuring out how to prioritize pleasure, it dawned on me, like, what's so bad about that? <laughs> like oh it, it's a yeah. moment it's, he's trying to pursue connection and intimacy and pleasure as well. And, and giving a little grace to the whole situation versus being so defensive and projecting, I think, a lot of other experiences that we have as being sexualized as women and outside of our relationships to be able to kind mm -hmm. of soften and be able to receive those moments in our relationship is very, very difficult. But I think it's a really, yeah. really dynamic and important thing. You seem so much more confident than the way you described yourself years ago. When do you feel like you're most confident? I mean, I wouldn't say it's just one thing. I think it's a lot of things that all add up. Uh, spending time and looking at and practicing movement and poses for my boudoir uh, photography clients. That's a huge one. I never thought I would be one ever to teach others how to feel sexy and confident. Uh, but when you do that, like it directly increases my own confidence. Yeah. Have Now, have you done your own shoot or have you had a shoot done for you? Not by another photographer, but my own, yes. Like with my own setup. Okay. Yeah. Just because I, I wanted to see what I could do first. Yeah. Starting at ground zero, but yeah. <laughs> right. What does it feel like when you're doing the poses and being in the different shapes for the camera? It makes me feel sexual and feminine and beautiful and soft and like all a lot of adjectives that I never thought I could feel, which is so mm -hmm. funny because I never thought I was able to be all those things because I didn't have a chest. You can be however you are. doesn't matter. Your body type does not determine your sexual energy, mm -hmm. right? It shouldn't be a sexy or, you know, that enter that is a direct relation to your energy. And then also that creates confidence. Um, and I think acting, I don't know if I want to say acting maybe, but just like showing and teaching those parts directly, then in turn, make you feel that way or those ways. Yeah. 
that makes sense? Yes. Yes, mm-hmm. it does. Okay. Well, can you just talk a little bit about how your journey maybe has led to this new transition to, to boudoir photography? Because that's fairly new for you, correct? Uh, yes, just actually this year. Yeah. So it was, uh, yeah, that's, um, yeah, I just, I wanted, I wanted to be at that table where the confidence in myself flowed from within without feeling like my body image was tied to any cultural standard. And I wanted that for other women too. And I, once I changed my mindset and worked on that and said, okay, why am I not enjoying this one life? Why am I not enjoying putting myself in these situations where I can't enjoy it to the fullest? I'm missing out. Mm-hmm. And everybody else suffers too, honestly. So it's just like, why? I don't know. I don't think that I should be living in this shame or this feeling of not enough. Like we are all enough. And I am wanting to be an example of that too for my kids, my husband, and other people that I meet. So to add boudoir into my photography, I felt like it was a gift to give to others and also learning from others and being inspired by others, you know? And I, I did want to say a side note, like through all of this, my husband has told me like the biggest change that he's seen in me is my confidence in general, but you know, emotionally, physically and spiritually, but also like intimately. And he's like, yeah, the saying that confidence is sexy is so true. Uh-huh. Uh, and I, and I really, I mean, I really appreciate that. I mean, he told me multiple times, like, implants, no implants. You know, the thing is about the surgery. I mean, this whole journey is that I have to have this done every 10 years and I don't know if I'm going to actually have them replaced in 10 years. Yeah. Um, like I want to be mentally at that spot where I am now, or at least I'm, I'm, a, I can't say that I'm fully there. Like every day insecurities get in the way. Right. And then you're like, okay, let's address this. Let's move this on. Let's get back to where we're going here. What's the goal. Um, but you know, like I said, it's not about your body type. It's the energy that you bring. Well, and it's neat that it's being seen and noticed by other people and especially by somebody who knows you so well. So I think that's yeah. really incredible. What does pleasure mean to you? I mean, obviously it comes with like a physical factor, uh-huh. <laughs> but, but also like accepted, feeling accepted mm. for who you are enough, yeah. like just being in the present moment and not like lacking for more. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, I love it. So looking forward, the Danielle of 10 years from now is the most sexually empowered version of herself. What do you hope she knows by then? Or even just remembers from this phase of life you're in now? Definitely that, uh, you know, just keep reminding myself that I only get this one precious life. Why am I, why not enjoy it? You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, God did not put me here on this earth to sit back and watch everyone else enjoy theirs. And you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So it's like, okay, well, I'm not going to wait for the right time, more money to lose 10 pounds, you know, whatever all the excuses are that we put in front of us to actually being in the present moment and enjoying our lives. That I think is a big one. I'm a Enneagram seven and I have like a real, <laughs> real level of FOMO. Um, so also like being present in whatever moment I'm in mm-hmm. really, really trying to hone in on that one. <laughs> um, yeah. And then also like my self-worth isn't tied to anything, but my own beliefs about myself. Uh-huh. Right. So these things I want to carry through with me when whatever situation I'm in, you know, when we put our self-worth in the things that we have and they go away, then what do you have left? Like it really, we really have to be firm, have a firm foundation on what we believe in about ourselves um, and carry that through life situations. That's beautiful. Uh, 
If people want oh. to connect with you, how can they do that with your business or with you? You can find me um, on Instagram. Um, I have both my family and branding uh, portraits page or handle. Uh, it's Danielle, D-A-N-I-E-L-L-E, Meyer, M-E-I-E-R, photography. Um, and then with my boudoir page, it's Danielle Meyer, again, M-E-I-E-R, underscore, under, no, it's not. I am lying to you. You know what? Oh my God. Let me look. It might be Danielle Meyer, Danielle Meyer photo underscore boudoir. Yeah. We'll put it in the uh, show yeah. notes too. Okay. Let's do that. Um, yeah. Danielle Meyer underscore boudoir. I had Perfect. to have two pages, you know? Yay. Thank you so much for sharing that. I loved everything that you shared today. I think that even though you have a very unique story, so much of what you shared is so relatable, I think, to so many people. And there's very common threads that a lot of women, I believe, will be able to see themselves in. And my hope is that the conversation between Danielle and I doesn't end here, but that all of our listeners are able to take a little nugget from the conversation and into their own lives and be able to talk about these really important topics and issues in their life as they pursue their own sexual journeys and living a life turned on. So thank you so much for being here. Oh my gosh, girl. thank you for having me. Yeah, and we will talk next time. All right, take care. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed this story, I hope you'll subscribe so you don't miss the next one. Please share it with a friend to keep the conversation going and leave a review. That would be super helpful. We invite you to follow us on Instagram at Life Turned On Podcast. And if you have a story you'd like to share, please email us at stories at lifeturnedonpodcast.com. And the next time you're looking for lingerie or sexual wellness products, I hope you'll consider shopping at lingerboutique.com so we can continue to normalize rest and pleasure together.